0: Paul says, and he'll tell you in a moment, everything we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, make sure that you do all to the glory of God. So I ask the question in my own mind, how is this going to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if it does, I'll do it. And if not, I won't do it. Then I don't have to make anybody stumble. And I'm going to be careful what I do in my life.
1: Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Thanks for joining us. Today, as Raul returns to First Corinthians, he'll encourage you to honestly assess what your life says about your heart for God. In every decision, big or small, you have the opportunity to glorify the Lord through your obedience to his word. Keep listening to learn how to stand firm against temptation and Asking God for His help in keeping you faithful to His will. Here's Raul Reese with the second part of the lesson: Christian experience. Join us in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen.
0: This is now the third warning that Paul brings about, and it's about God can enable us to overcome temptation if we want, if we listen to the Word of God. Why? Because every one of us are tempted. Look what he says here. That's pretty interesting. Paul says, "No temptation has overtaken you." Except such as is come to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with that temptation, He will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Hey, did you hear what he said? I want you to underline that verse. Never, never, ever, when people come to me and say, man, God made me stumble. Sorry. You stumble yourself. God warn you. God cannot tempt us unto sin. God doesn't tempt you unto evil. God is saying here that for every temptation you're going to go through, whether it be sexual, whether it be emotional, whatever the temptation may be, God says there's always, what? A door open for you to flee to that door. And if you don't take it, you made the choice. You will fall. You will sin. God always has a way to escape. And how many times you and I have had that way of escape, but we decided not to take the way of escape. But we gave into our flesh. And what happened? We fall. And then people become bitter and begin to blame God. Well, God, where were you? He was there the whole time. He spoke to you, but you didn't listen. And you see, it's just like he said here, when temptation comes, we are able to overcome. How do we do that? One word, obedience. Obedience is the key. Not disobedience. Obeying what you would love to do, but you don't do it. Why? Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want to offend my relationship with God. When somebody is strong and in a moment of weakness they fall and they come back to the Lord and repent, God will receive that true repentance. Why? Because you didn't plan it in most people when they fall, they are already planned it in their minds. It's already a done deal. You just wait for the right time. And yet the requirement of struggling with the flesh is obedience to the Word of God. So, if you're not spending time in the Bible, if you're not reading, if you're not praying, if you're not fellowshipping, if you're not accountable, and you have no integrity, then you're going to fall. When people come in with problems, there's only three things I always talk to them about. It's always between these three problems. Number one, the Word of God. They haven't been reading the Word of God, so they're not strong. It's like you have to eat three times a day, but the word of God, you have to do it as much as you can. More than physical eating. Why? Because it sustains you spiritually. Secondly, have you been praying? Well, you know, I pray once in a while. Well, you have no communion with God. You're not listening. Then thirdly, is fellowship. Fellowship. Being in the church and fellowshipping with one another, especially brothers and sisters that are right on and are going to love you and they're going to exhort you and they're going to watch out for your soul. Those are people that you want to be with. Not people that want to take you down. Not people that want to tempt you to sin. Not people that play on the edge. You want people that are far away from the edge and they don't ever want to get to the edge. Those are the people you want to hang well with. Because they care for your soul. And yet Paul says here. That there's no one here that can ever say. God tempted me to sin. God made me fall. No way. God always has a way of escape. Let me give you an illustration. In Genesis chapter 39 what happened? Joseph. At a prime age. Young. 18, 19 years old. At the prime edge of his sexual desires and everything that he had as a young man. God puts him in Egypt by divine will. Puts him in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife. She's a runaround, And every day she is lusting after him. Not he after her. She is lusting after him. And looking for a way to get him and take him down. Until her husband decides to go on a journey. And then she knows that he's gone for a while. And what does she do? She goes into the bedroom, prepares the bedroom, gets herself ready. And as Joseph is coming in and maintaining the house, all of a sudden she says, Joseph, can you come over here for a little bit? And she jumped up and she actually tried to rape him. And he not only looked this way and that way, but he said, How can I do this thing against God? And she got a hold of his clothes and ripped it off. And he left naked the room and he ran. God made a way of escape for him. He could have stayed there and had sex with her and denied the whole thing. And then what happened? Because he stood for righteousness, Satan blamed him and his husband came home and she said, Joseph, while you were gone, came into my bedroom, forced himself on me, tried to rape me, and where did Joseph end up? In jail for two more years. But what did God do in jail? Made him the leader of the jail. Why? Because he was righteous. If you do what is right, God will be with you. And that's why Joseph said, and this is a good thing to have, before you ever sin, how can I do this thing against God, who sees all things, and hears all things? Then you're checking in. Because God does see it. Whether you like it or not, He sees it, He hears it. You cannot keep anything private in your life from God. From people, you bet. But from God, nothing. Everything is an open book. He sees, He hears everything you do. You cannot hide from the presence of God. So we need to be careful how we take things in stride when we come to temptation. Because you are going to be tempted. And if you don't pass the test, guess what? You got to retake the test. Until you pass it. And that's why some people can't grow in Christ. Why? They can't get beyond their sin. And they're immature. They're not spiritual people. Because unless you pass the test. Then how can God make you greater in the bigger things. If you're not faithful in the small things. And that's for all of us to understand. Because we're all going to be tempted. We're all going to go through different situations. And I think that it's important that when the test comes, understand one thing. Look, the test is coming. It's here. And I have to pass. How do you pass? I pass by being obedient. Obedient to the Word of God. Even if I have to put a lock on my room, and they have to lock me in for three days, I'm going to stay there. If you know that you can go out of your house and you're going to sin, then why go out of your house? There are times in my life that I will not come out of my office. I'm being tempted by something. And you know what? I will drop to my knees I say, God, please help me because I am weak and I know that I will fall. I'm weak just like you are. But I know the consequences of sin. And Satan would love to destroy me, destroy my wife, destroy my children, destroy my grandchildren, destroy everything that God has done in the last 30 years. And I think of how many pastors, how many leaders, and how many people, when the temptation came, they gave to it, and they fell. And they're not finishing well. We've got to finish well. We have to finish well the race that God has set before us. So whenever we are tempted, we know what? That through the word of God, being obedient, there's always a door open for me to escape. That's what Paul is saying. Look what else he says. Therefore, because of this, what he's been talking about, in all the previous verses, because of this, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And what's idolatry? Anything that you worship more than God. Your children can become your idol. Your grandchildren can become your idol. Your car can become your idol. Your house, money, anything can become an idol. Whatever is taking most of your time, that's your idol.
1: This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Roll Reese. It's our joy to walk alongside you on your journey with the Lord Jesus. Call us at 800-634-9165 or visit somebodylovesyou.com for life-giving resources, including this week's special offer of a CD pack guiding you on God's path of righteousness. Now let's continue with more of Roll Race and today's lesson, Christian Experience.
0: Then verse 15, he says, I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. This is so cool. Paul says, look, I'm not being judgmental here. Hey, you take an examination. I'm only telling you because I love you. As I speak to you, Paul says, I'm speaking to myself. In the same way when I teach to you, I'm talking about myself throughout the day, throughout the week as I'm preparing the lesson. Believe me, the Lord's already got me before He got you. Because He's talking to my heart. He's preparing my heart. And he's speaking to my personal life. And this is what Paul is trying to say. Look, I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I'm telling you. And then all of a sudden, he changes the conversation. And now he begins to speak about communion. Because the next chapter will deal with communion. Look what he says. He says, The cup. Of the blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus Christ? And the bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Jesus Christ? Paul all of a son begins to speak about this. The Lord's Supper. And the reason you'll see in a moment is that in chapter 11, he's going to warn about people that are in the communion table when they come to church and they take the bread and they take the blood of Christ. They don't realize that this is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, which is, you know, kind of mystical. And what is he saying? He says, there's a lot of you that are coming and you're eating the bread like if you're going to the in and out and just take a piece of bread. And you drink the cup just like you're drinking a soda. He says, don't you realize the responsibility that you have when you take the blood and the body of Christ? And this is the reason that some of you are weak, and some of you are sick, and some of you even have died. Because they were coming to the supper of the Lord in sin and unworthy, and they were not repenting. And God began to what? To kill people in the church. And God began to make them sick. Allow them to be sick, so they would come to repentance. And many of them were very weak. And Paul says, Be careful what you do with the Lord's Supper. It's a warning. Look what else he says. He says, For we... Though many are one bread, one body, for we are all partakers of the one bread. And here he's entering that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Why? Because we all are partakers of Jesus Christ. When we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're becoming one with who? With Jesus. You see? With Jesus Christ. We're reminding ourselves of what he did when he went to Calvary. Right before he went to Calvary in the upper room, he broke the bread and he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it and they ate and they drank of it. Except for Judas. He was on his way out to betray the Lord. And Paul wants to make sure that when we come to communion, the church is clean. When we take the Lord's body and we drink the cup, which is representative of his blood. Then verse 17, look what he says. For we, though many, which many what? Many denominations, not only Calvary Chapel, but he's talking about Christian, the fellowship of Christians. For though many Christians are one bread... And one body, for we all are partakers of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh, and not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. Here, he goes back and he makes an example, illustration of the Old Testament priest, when the priest would come to the temple, and the temple was given, not only they were doing the sacrifices. And let's say I'm doing the sacrifice, a peace offering, and first of all, I would do the sacrifice of consecration, which was the burnt offering. And the burnt offering would be a symbol that when I make the sacrifice to God, it is not just killing the lamb and uh, bleeding it, cutting it up, and then roasting it. But the whole idea of the situation of bringing the sacrifice and doing the sacrifice, it was what? The consecration of my life to God as I bring the sacrifice of consecration, which would be the burnt offering to the Lord. And in Leviticus it tells you what it is. But then the peace offering, the peace offering would be what? The peace offering would be the meal when I cook the lamb and I roast it and get it all set up. That it's not only for myself, but I give it to my family and to my friends. It's an act of communion and fellowship with God and with my family. You see? And that's what Jesus Christ is trying to teach here. Concerning the oneness of the sacrifices. Then verse 19, what am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything. Not Paul. Remember in the last chapter, chapter 8. And before that he talks about this. He talks about offering idols to demons. At the temple in Corinth they had a problem. When they went to the temple there were a thousand prostitutes. And whenever they would offer their sacrifices to Ashtaroth. They would take that down, down to the meat market. After being offered to their gods, they would take the rest of the meat and they would sell it to the butchers. And then you would go down to the market and buy meat and you would have to ask this question, Hey, where has this meat been? And if you're a Christian and you're free in Christ, it doesn't matter where it's been. But if you're going to cook it for somebody and they're a Christian and they are weaker than you, then you need to tell them because they'll probably never eat the meat. Why? Because not us, but the heathens would offer their idols to what? To demons, the meats. You see, an idol would be a demon for them, for the Gentiles. And so Paul wants to make sure that we understand that. Look what he says. What am I saying there? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. You see, there it is. And not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Be careful. He says. Verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. So make up your mind. You cannot be inconsistent in your fellowship with God. Look what else he says. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy or are we stronger to think than he? Notice, he says, do you think you're stronger than God? You don't think God will judge? Hey, God will judge. God won't stand back, especially when you stumble people with your strength and their weaknesses. You have to be careful. Smoking cigarettes is not a sin. My mom did, my dad did, my brother did, my one of my sisters did, my little sister didn't. And we, I used to hate it when my parents smoked. You see, right away, our mind says, smoking is a sin, drinking is a sin. This is, we, we start itemizing everything. No, no. We have to be careful. Why? Because we have a liberty. But that liberty, we have to be careful how we use it so that we don't stumble ourselves and we don't make other people stumble and bring them into judgment or bring ourselves into judgment. Because when we come to Christ, what happens? All things are brand new. All things, hey, if I I have the liberty to drink wine, to drink beer, to go out with women, to do whatever I want to do, I can do whatever I want to do. Whatever I want to do. But why won't I do those things? Not because I can't, but because why? Because Paul says, and he'll tell you in a moment, everything we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, make sure that you do all to the glory of God. So I asked the question in my own mind. How is this going to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if it does, I'll do it. And if not, I won't do it. Then I don't have to make anybody stumble. And I'm going to be careful what I do in my life. Watch what he says. This is so cool. The second part of the sermon. He says, all things are lawful for me. Here's Paul again. This is what I told you. All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful, all things are lawful for me, but not all things build up. You see, they tear down. We have to be careful. And then he says, look at verse 24. Let no one seek his own, but each one other's well-being. Hey, think of others, don't just think of yourself. That's good counsel, man. Good counsel for the church today. Don't think just of yourself, think of your children, think of your wife, think of your husband, think of your friends, think of your neighbors, think of your friendships. All things are lawful for me. You just have to deal with your own conscience. He's going to tell you in a moment that. Look at verse 25 eat whatever is sold in the meat market asking no questions for conscience sake he's saying to the Corinthians if you go to the meat market if you're a Christian when you get to the butcher say excuse me this roast beef where did you get it from? don't even ask hey give me two pounds take it home and eat it you're not under the law watch this for the earth is the Lord's and all is fullness if any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner so you go to their house verse 28 But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. You see? Don't make him stumble. Hey, thank you, but I'm not going to eat it. Verse 29. Conscience. This is the issue. This is the real issue here. Conscience. I say not my own. Notice, but that of the other. Underline that. Remember this. Not my conscience. I know what I believe in. But my brother, my sister, those that are weaker. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanksgiving, if I pray for what I'm eating... Why is evil spoken about me for the food of which I have given thanks? Hey, if, if I prayed over it, and I'm eating it without any question, then why are you judging me? I'm a Christian. Therefore, here it is. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Circle that whole scripture. That's the key for the church today. That's the key. Why? I am to live to bring glory to God. This is the purpose of my existence. And what? This should be our standard for everything we do. Why? The law of love. The law of love. That's the key. Otherwise, then why even do it? And we don't care about our brothers and sisters. We don't care about anybody else but ourselves. And what are we going to do? We're going to offend. Look at verse 32. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Gentiles or to the church of God. He mentions everybody there. To the Jews, to the Greeks, and to the church of God, to the Christians too. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. There it is again, underline that, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Oh, I like Paul. What is the purpose? That people will come to know Jesus by the things we do, by the things we say, that people may come to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior.
1: Today, as you consider this message, we encourage you to take an honest look at your life and evaluate whether your choices are truly honoring to God. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Roll Reese. If you'd like to review today's lesson, we'll send you an unedited version for a gift of $5 or more. Just call us at 800-634-9165 and request Roll's teaching titled Christian Experience. We'd also like to tell you about a helpful resource from Roll titled Walking Righteously you'll see that when you spend regular time in the Bible and in prayer, the Lord will equip you to stand firm in your faith and guide you in His perfect will. As you learn to journey in close communion with your God, you'll find that you can navigate life's trials and temptations in a way that continually brings glory to His name. So don't wait. Get in touch with us to order Roll's Walking Righteously audio pack. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you this four-message collection for a gift of $19 or more. That's 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Thanks so much for your partnership. Your generous gifts are tax-deductible and help us keep the truth of God's Word on the air. On the next Somebody Loves You Radio, we'll continue with our journey through 1 Corinthians. As we examine some basic doctrines of the faith, you'll see that trust and submission are the basis for a healthy relationship with God.